Blog Talk Radio. Drive-Through HR, and it's been such a hot minute since we've done a, a Drive-Through HR show that we had <laughs> multiple pieces of music playing at the beginning. Uh, I guess we're just making, making up for lost time. I am Robin Schooling, one of your co-hosts, and thrilled to be here today and catching up uh, via radio show with my dear friend and co-host, Michael Vandervoort. Hey, Mike. Hey, Robin. Welcome back. <laughs> Right? Sort of. I've done. I think I've done two shows without you, so it's not been like hugely productive. But it, you know, anyway, it's it's great to be back on a show and hear your voice. Though I know I know uh, life and work has uh, taken all taken a toll here recently, and the same same for yep. me. So it's just been uh, been hard to hard to do the the passion stuff. But we have a, a I think a cool uh, a cool guest today, and looking forward to that conversation. But it's great to hear your voice. So. Uh, Let's, uh, let's dive in. Let's dive in. I am. I'm really looking forward to this conversation today because I think we're going to, um, you know, we're going to learn something. Certainly, um, I know I am, and um, I think our listeners uh, will as well. Which, of course, is one of the things we're all about here at Drive Through HR. So, without further ado, let me introduce um, our guest, Patricia Linkov. Hello, Patricia. Hello. Nice to be here. Oh, we are we are uh, excited to have you, and, and welcome to the drive-through, as we affectionately call it. Um, <laughs> so we will uh, we will certainly uh, get folks, um, you know, introduced to you here over the next thirty minutes or so. But why don't we kick off um, for our listeners who are not familiar with you, and uh, have you have you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, you know who you are. Sure. Sure, absolutely. And I hope when I tell you about myself, I'm cool in the way Mike suggested. (laughs) I hope I live up to expectations. But um, so I am an executive recruiter. I have been doing this work uh, for 24 years. So I'm based in New York City. And I focus on senior level executive search as well as corporate boards. So board searches and corporate board work and corporate governance are my passion. Um, It's what I spend about 80% of my time doing. So I run my own firm now called Agility Executive Search. I founded it in 2008. And before that, I worked two of the largest search firms in the world. I was fortunate enough to be there and learn my trade for about 12 and a half years. And uh, again, delighted to be here. Yeah, excellent. And and it will be... um, um, Interesting. I'm looking forward to, to a little bit when we dive into um, some talk about uh, about getting folks on uh, on boards and 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 sort of the things that you've worked on with that. But um, you recently wrote a book as well. I did. Yeah. Tell, I tell did. us a little bit about yeah. that. Sure. So the book is called Times Up: Why Boards Need to Get Diverse Now, and it was a real 
labor of love that I wrote over about four years. So I really like to write. Um, I have a fall, uh, column in Forbes, and I write about governance issues and diversity and things like that. And um, 24 years in this business, I've seen a lot and learned a lot. And I felt like, you know, boards and diversity is a hot topic. And many people want to know, first of all, why we're not sort of further along in this um, area. And then, you know, a lot of people want to know how do they get on board. So I felt like I could mm-hmm. write the book. The book is about, you know, just under 200 pages. So it's not a, a big um, you know, sort of robust, difficult thing to swallow. You can read it in a weekend. You can get some really practical ideas that are easy to mm-hmm. execute, both for boards um, themselves who want to become more diverse, as well as for people who want to sit on boards. Mm-hmm. Nice. Good so, so, Patricia, this is this is Michael, and I didn't say hi officially. So, welcome <laughs> to the drive-through, as Robin said. Um, as far as you being cool, uh, I, I wasn't implying that you're a hipster necessarily, but I, I do think that the top, the top so, the, so the topic of board talent, getting talent and diversity on boards is something that I worked with for a while in a, in a previous role. I, I've, I've been back with a former employer for two years, but prior to that, for five years, I worked for an HR services uh, nonprofit that was, a, you know, run by a board of directors, and we struggled as an organization not only with attracting the, the right kind of board members, but retaining them because of the responsibilities and stuff. So, you know, the topic of board talent and diversity on boards and bringing new perspectives and all that stuff, I think is super important for the organizations that, that deal with the board of directors. And, and the other, the other part that I thought was cool is that the, I, I know the non-binary in the boardroom topic is a little bit of clickbait. You know, it's not like a super hot, you know, the, maybe not the first and foremost issue related to board talent that we're going to face these days, but it is something that is, you know, developing in our society and something that um, I, I think in your case, you're thinking ahead of the curve here. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but I think the larger conversation is more about the board talent, the subject of your book. So but let's, let's jump into the idea of being non-binary in the workplace and in the boardroom. And I'll just preface that by saying non-binary seems to be a very provocative term for people. They react very strongly to it in a lot of cases. They don't understand it, and it's scary. So how is it viewed in boardrooms, and why, why does a board need a non-binary person uh, as an example of how you might identify talents? Right, and all of that is so true. It, you know, it is um, important. We are evolving as, as, a, as a world, let's say, and um, I did some research on numbers, and um, under the age of, I think, Gen Z, so those born in 1997 or later, were twice as likely to identify as non-straight as compared to their over-40 counterparts, mm-hmm. and they're four times more likely to identify as trans, non-binary, gender fluid, um, something other than your traditional binary identity. So, you know, that's happening with Gen Gen Z um, and, you know, the next generation, and we'll see where this goes. But the important mm-hmm. point is that this is a large, um, ten, well, it's, a, it's a, a contingent that's going into the marketplace and growing up in organizations, um, and organizations need to be aware and need to potentially adjust and, and appreciate, you know, the changes that need to be made. So as far as the boardroom is concerned, you know, Boardrooms are not talking about this yet. Um, we're still trying to figure out how to solve 
for gender diversity when it's binary and ethnic diversity um, and racial diversity. So we're still grappling with those issues. But the reason I think non-binary and the rest of these different kinds of life choices and people and so on are important is because they need to be paid attention to. These are your customers. These are your employees. Um, you know, this is the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And boards need to reflect that and understand that if they're to serve all of their stakeholders in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Do you, um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, the, the counter to that is the average age of a board member is about 63 years old in the S&P 500. <laughs> So you have two like ends of the spectrum, the younger, you know, people, Gen Z, who are in their, let's say, 20s and some of them, you know, entering their 30s. And then you have the 60 plus year olds who are in the boardroom and, um, you know, never the two paths shall cross, but they will <laughs> eventually, you know, and this is this is important to try to maybe just think about at this point, you know, maybe not take action in a boardroom, but really be aware that this is something that needs to be thought about in the future, in the near future. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the so that's an interesting, and this has already gone a little bit off off the sort of the list of questions that we sent over. But so, so for example, if you had a Gen Z non-binary board member, they would bring a perspective that reflects sort of the younger generation, the values that are different from a mainstream customer base, et cetera, depending on what kind of board you're talking about. Whereas if you have a sixty-three a year old, you know, boomer board member, they have the business acumen, knowledge and experience, et cetera, you know, hopefully help a business formulate and make the, the proper decisions about driving their, their strategy. I, 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 you know, argument could certainly be made you need both, but, but what, what is a, what is a board need like right now in today's, because we're, everything's changing, everything's turned upside down, it seems. So what are, what are boards thinking about and what do they kind of need right now from a profile perspective if it's not a non-binary Gen Z person? Well, and your point about needing both is absolutely true. Boards need different kinds of people and different kinds of skill sets. So, for example, every board needs operators. Those would be CEOs and people who've run business in, businesses in their entirety because a board is looking at the business in its entirety. So they need systems mm-hmm. thinkers, you know, people who understand how the pieces fit together and what happens if they don't. And every board also needs financial expertise. They need to, you know, look at uh, the finances of the company, the audit. You know, there's an audit committee, so they look at, you know, there's, there needs financial expertise. Above and beyond that, though, there's room for different kinds of experience. And, of course, things like cybersecurity, technology, digital transformation, human capital, um, you know, a big topic now is um, ESG. So, you know, boards are trying to figure out what that means. How do you put that kind of expertise in the boardroom? Some boards need marketing. Some boards need international expertise. You know, perhaps the company Mm -hmm. does business in Asia, so they need a person who understands on the ground, you know, Asian business um, practices and so on and so forth. So, you know, every board needs always uh, at least a C- one CEO or two or a division president, let's say, and a finance person, but they don't need an entire board made up of that. Mm-hmm. So they need di- different kinds of other skills. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and you, I have one more sort of big question, and then I'll throw it back to you, Robin. But um, so you mentioned like you know racial diversity, gender diversity, you know some of the more traditional DEI stuff that we're thinking about now beyond non-binary and generational. Um, I mentioned you know that I had worked with the board. We 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 served a massive different like a bunch of different business sectors, business verticals. So manufacturing, distribution, you know, supply chain, that kind of stuff, retail, uh, and we were we were working as I said with HR services. So we were trying to help people build better workplaces. So our our specific board issues revolved around how do we how do we recognize groups like instead of having all Fortune 500 companies, which were easier to solicit or recruit as board members, how do we get somebody from an employer under 500 or um, you know, how do we get somebody out of a out of a government agency or whatever? Different different points of view, different perspectives, so that we could serve our membership base better. That was kind of the objective. Is I, I guess the same thing boards do for companies: help them guide their strategy to serve their client base. How how does a board select talent, and how do they drive towards these sort of like you know the edges, the fringes, I guess, which you know the non-binary piece falls into as well, I guess. Right, and you mentioned logistics and supply chain. That's a big issue on boards, as as we know what's going on in, in our country right now. Uh, supply chain and logistics since COVID has been another area that boards, you know, have been focused on um, and trying to solve for. Um, but in terms of how to get, you know, the maybe the less obvious candidates, um, you know, right now board board seats are filled through networks about 70% of the time. So search firms and people like myself do about 30% of the board uh, recruiting. So it's still a, you know, it's a relatively small number. So a lot of it happens by who you know, which is not always the best strategy because who you know tends to be people like you, um, people in your your network. So really if we want to have diversity or different kinds of people with different backgrounds or different geographies, it's really important to think beyond just who you know. Um, so, you know, typically in a, in a large public company, they do go to search firms and they will start out by examining, you know, what does the board have now in terms of skills and experience? Where are the gaps? You know, strategy is changing, or at least it should be changing. So therefore, what you need on the board in terms of skills and experience is ever evolving. So you always mm-hmm. begin by understanding, you know, what do we have? What are we missing? Where are we going? And then, you know, you begin to say who is the best kind of person um, for the role. And, you know, search firms know how to do this. If you're mm-hmm. doing it on your own, you know, you're sort of going around and it's, it's kind of, um, you know, a little bit haphazard because you may end up with the right person or you may end up with your next door neighbor. Um, you know, it really depends. So I think, you know, for, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely true. So that's, you know, that's the way, you know, it happens and sometimes it works. Um, but I think if you want to ultimately, um, you know, find the best person, you need to be very strategic. And I like to use the analogy of a sports team, you know, when, Let's just pick baseball. When a baseball team needs a new pitcher or first baseman, you know, do they sit around the locker room and say to each other, who do you know? Or do they hire, you know, hire a scout and the scout goes across the country, I don't know, across the world and finds the best pitcher for the team. 
um, rather than just who they know and, you know, who they might have played baseball with in their childhood. So it's, it's the same thing, and it has to be kind of thought about in a similar way, in, you know, in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Yeah, I, I can say that with that, uh, <laughs> with, that neighbor, uh, with that neighbor analogy, I wouldn't put one of my neighbors on, um, on, the, on the HOA, let alone a board of directors. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, So, you know, it's interesting because because I think, uh, you know, you've probably seen this over the years, Patricia, the kind of the myths that have built up or have kind of grown uh, on themselves in terms of how, how, how should we fill our board of directors role or who makes a good member of our board? You know, what are some of those myths that, that still linger and, and are impacting or hurting any, any of these efforts towards diversity or new way of, of putting our, our boards together? You know, what are some things you've seen with that? So, you know, and that's part of the reason I wrote the book, because there are so many myths out there. And people, you know, for better or for worse, they don't always know the reality, because boards is something that you know not everyone has experience in until you do. So you may sort yeah. of assume certain things. Um, that I wanted to clarify. So, you know, I mentioned one sort of, which is that all the board directors need to be CEOs. So there's uh-huh. still a lingering belief that, you know, board directors must come from the ranks of CEOs or those who formerly held those positions. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned, you need some of those, but you absolutely don't need a whole board of CEOs. You're, you know, missing opportunity for technology expertise or marketing chops or human capital. <clears throat> um, Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, you know, if you focus just on CEOs. So that's one myth. Um, another uh, strong myth is that there are not enough qualified, diverse directors. Uh, I hear this a lot. Um, you know, oh, it, you know, it's definitely a supply problem. We just can't find them. They're not out there. And, you know, I will absolutely unequivocally say it is not a supply problem. It is a demand problem. Um, so we have, there is an abundance and I know this because I do it every day, mm-hmm. super qualified, you know, incredibly accomplished and available directors. So for me, it's always qualifications first, but if you could add on diversity, you know, of course that's, a, that's an added benefit. So there mm-hmm. are, you know, an abundance of wonderfully qualified directors for whatever you need, whether it be technology or HR or logistics, um, who also happen to be diverse. So the mm-hmm. myth, um, you know, that there's not enough of them, of, the, of us to go around is absolutely um, not true. And uh, I'll mention one more, actually. There's several, but I'll mention um, the one that, you know, but we already have one diverse director is a common yeah. I don't know. It's it, maybe it's not a myth. It's kind of a pushback. Like we, we, you know, we call this the one and done, you know, or the uh-huh. token phenomenon. So, you know, rather than appreciate the true value that diversity can bring to the conversation and decision making, you know, for there are those for whom this is a, a compliance exercise. So we just put one mm-hmm. on and now we move on and we've done our job. And, you know, people like myself say when we hear that, we go, but you have nine men. You know, we already have one woman. No, but you have nine men, you know. Like, um, 
it doesn't, you know, it, it's not necessarily the way to go because, you know, and, you know, again, the whole diversity argument is based on the fact that diverse groups make better decisions and lead to mm-hmm. better business results. This is not just a, a social good. This is a, you know, a business good. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of another myth slash excuse. Yeah. Now, it, there are there are countries and then the state of California here in the U.S. that have implemented um, quotas for for board seats. Um, how how is that played out? How is how is that having impact? And I guess do you see that that growing? Yeah, so there's I think 11 other states in the United States that are working on or have some form of either a, a quota or kind of a comply or explain, which mm-hmm. by the way, California, before California went to full-blown quota um, for about, I don't know, three or four years, they had something called, uh, resolu- there was a resolution there that asked California companies, can you add diversity to your board. There was no consequences and it wasn't a legal requirement. It mm-hmm. was an ask. And I think, you know, it turned into a, a quota that it is today because I think companies didn't necessarily respond. Um, so, you know, what we found with diversity is that you have to be very intentional. It doesn't just happen on its own. You have to actually still, unfortunately, going into you know, we're almost in 2022, you still have to make some kind of effort. And there's big debates as to whether quotas, you know, are the right way to go. Certainly in this country, you know, California experienced, you know, lots of lawsuits when it started with the quota. But, you know, an example that's used is Norway, which was the first country um, to institute a quota. And they did that back in 2005, um, and at the time, wow. a Norwegian board, yeah, they did it in 2005, and it didn't work 100% perfectly, and I'll, I'll tell you very quickly why, but they, at the time, they had women held 4% of all board seats, and in, as of 2019, I don't have 2021 numbers, but as of 2019, women comprised 42.5% of publicly wow. listed company board seats in Norway. Um, And you can compare that to the U.S. where the number for the Russell 3000 is 23.5. So it's about half in -hmm. in the United States. Um, The thing that sort of went wrong with Norway and people point to this, and it's really important to think about, is that because they had such an extreme um, quota and a need for women, they put some people, some women on boards, and they weren't necessarily qualified. So they... They also put um, a lot of, well, a number of women on many boards because they were qualified and there weren't enough. So they called those the golden skirts. Um, Mm -hmm. So we go back to my point that it's always qualifications first um, because if you, you know, if it's just a quota filler, it does nobody any good. You know, you want Mm -hmm. contributing members. Um, So quotas, you know, are debated for a variety of reasons. And one of the reasons is, you know, if we push companies to do this, maybe we're going to kind of shoot ourselves in the foot by putting on, you know, not qualified people. But then we go back to my point that it's not a supply problem. It's a demand problem. So really, um, you know, hopefully these quotas in California lead to, you know, incredibly revised and refreshed boards that really do well Mm -hmm. for for the shareholders that they serve. Yeah. 
fascinating. I, I had I had one quick question. I know we're getting close to time. Um, we got a few minutes, uh, but uh, maybe final. Um, can you give us maybe two or three thoughts on like I don't I hate best practices, but like you mentioned, like recruiting somebody specifically for supply chain knowledge or for uh, you know digital or whatever so, stuff like that. Like, are there certain things that boards should be looking at right now that are like key drivers that are different than the traditional sort of things that they would look for in the past beyond diversity? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, the, the technology piece, obviously every company is a technology company. So, you know, mm-hmm. technology used to, used to be like 10 years ago or 15 years ago when I was doing board searches and they asked for technology, it was one general bucket of a technology person. But now we further calibrate. So is it a cybersecurity person you want? Is it a digital person you want? Is it a data person you want? You know, so you really, and and sometimes boards have two types of technology people that they need. Um, So that's definitely evolved and it's, you know, extremely important. Um, Companies are making huge investments in technology and, you know, you need to know what questions to ask. Um, Cybersecurity Mm -hmm. threats. I mean, every day there's a cybersecurity, you know, issue. Um, so I think that's a, you know that's a big thing on you know since COVID health safety and human capital issues have come to the forefront on boards agendas. So I think you know we're seeing a trickle, a little bit of a trickle in, in the request for CHROs on boards. Mm-hmm. But I kind of predict that together with compensation challenges and issues, um, I think we'll see more demand and appreciation for the value that human capital expertise brings on board. So that's another one that I think we're seeing um, changes, you know, in requests and appreciation for the value that they bring. And I'll say one more. I spoke to, it's funny, I was speaking to a a lawyer yesterday who's now a chief operating officer, but they were, uh, they started their career as a lawyer and said, oh, you don't ever want lawyers on boards. And I'm like, absolutely. Well, it used to be like that when I started doing this in 1997, you know, it was like no lawyers, but now it's actually a very, for a whole host of reasons, it is um, a skill set and experience that is desirable for some boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, we had an attorney on the board that I worked with and it was a strong, strong contributor asset for us, you know, with a lot of good uh, questions that we might not have heard otherwise. So I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's the perfect example, Michael, of, you know, knowing the bits I knew about that organization, too. It's, um, you needed, that that was a board that that valued diverse experiences and uh, backgrounds. And right. Then, and I know you all, you got, you got, you saw the benefit from that, so. Mm-hmm. Um Fascinating conversation today, and we are uh, we are getting close here to wrapping up. So um, before we before we head off, um, Patricia Lenkov has been our guest, and so Patricia, um, where can folks find you online if they would like some information, or they'd like to read your book, or they want to talk to you about uh, filling filling board roles? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, my company website, my company is Agility Executive Search. So it's agilityexecutivesearch.com. 
My book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and Target online. So you can get it at any of those places. And again, it's called Time's Up, Why Boards Need to Get Diverse Now. And I'm active on LinkedIn. I live my life on LinkedIn. So Patricia Lenkov, my profile is there and I'm on Twitter all the time. So, um, you know, big social media person and always having conversations about this stuff online and can, you know, be happy to, to talk about things through those mediums as well. Well, fantastic. And uh, folks getting to you from our landing page, we'll, we'll be able to find those links. So that should make it easier for them as well. And uh, great, uh, great show today. It's been good to be back in the, in the drive-through. So uh, this is Robin signing out. Michael, have a few last words for us. Just, Patricia, thanks for joining us. It really was a great conversation. Uh, stay in touch on social media. Robin and I are both big users, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll chat more about this stuff on the, you know, on, the, on the interwebs. So thanks a lot, and have a great afternoon. Thank you. Robin, have a good day. Thank you.